this Pentecost Sunday, and uh, this is such a special day because it was on this day that the Spirit of God came and the church was born. And us poor Gentiles were included with Jews in the people of God, one people of God. And, and uh, the, the uh, church would explode and go around the world. And it's all because Jesus sent the Spirit. And so we don't want to let that go without uh, recognizing and praising and honoring Him and thanking the Holy Spirit who is among us. Uh, John Armstrong, we prayed for that man for months, been in, in, I don't know how long in ICU, probably two and a half months in ICU, and here you are this day, praise God, we're just, we're so grateful, John, to see that God has raised you up and give you the strength, and to be here, he just got out of hospital, and here he is at church, man, you're blessed me, thank you. Over the past few weeks, we have been um, looking at the topic of worship, and uh, we've discovered that God created us to worship, to worship Him, and that we find our deepest fulfillment and greatest joy when we're worshiping Him, and when we delight in Him and honor Him. The, the Westminster Shorter Catechism posed this question, uh, what, what is the chief end of man? And it answered that question. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Do you know that God wants us to enjoy Him? He invites us into a relationship with Him. And and His plan for us is that we would glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Uh, John Piper would say, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. How satisfied are you in him. I trust you are. Worship, you see, is responding to God as he reveals himself to us in through, through what he is, how he reveals what he is, how, what he's like, and what he does for us. Uh, we respond to that revelation of who he is uh, by, by celebrating and honoring him and recognizing his worthiness. And we've seen how worshiping God is not just a one-hour Sunday morning kind of thing. Worshiping God is something that we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because he has put his spirit, that spirit that came at Pentecost, is in us, dwelling in us, and that makes this a temple. This makes this a place of worship. Wherever we are, day or night, wherever we are geographically, God is with us, and, and we worship him. And, uh, and that means that, that even the most mundane things, the Apostle Paul says, like eating and drinking, are to be done to the glory of God. Everything we do is to the glory of God. You enjoy sports, enjoy it to the glory of God. Uh, you enjoy relationships, enjoy it to the glory of God. Uh, you, you enjoy shopping. I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> I forget that one. Do it to the glory of God, that God would, God would be a part of everything you are, and that there is a, a sense of the presence of God always with you, 24 hours a day. And so your leisure, your fun, your work, your family, cleaning the toilet, do it to the glory of God, whatever you're doing. And, and we examined some of what this means. Uh, it, we saw Pastor Daniel shared with us about how worship is seen in serving as well. And uh, we looked last week as worship in music and what that looks like. And today we have another focus uh, as we continue our discussion about worship. And that is, have you heard us say, we'll worship the Lord now through the giving of our offerings. And a holy hush came over the auditorium. And you guys said, okay, pastor, we showed up for church on the long weekend. And you, you're sneaking in a message on giving on the long weekend. That's just unfair. That's unkind. Now, I just want to bless you. 
I want to bless you by teaching you from the word of God and, and um, that, that we would understand this aspect of worship today. So, uh, worship in giving in the Bible, we, we see it going through the Bible. It's kind of interesting that when you look at this, that right at the very start, uh, we have Adam and Eve, and by Genesis 4, they've got two kids at, at, at the, that we're told about. There are more coming, obviously a lot more coming, um, but uh, Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel went to worship God by presenting offerings before him. You ever thought, I mean, this is the first family, and they're worshiping God by presenting offerings, giving to God. And and have you ever wondered, who told them to do that? Why why are they doing that? Like, we we don't see that it's explicitly stated. I, I rather think that God communicated something or, or whether something deep inside them recognized who God is and they needed to respond to him in some way through giving. And so uh, what they did was they each gave an offering. Uh, we, had, we had Cain. He tilled the soil. He brought the fruit of the soil before the Lord. And Abel brought, uh, he, he had herds and flocks. And so he brought those and offered them to the Lord. And we find out that God was not pleased with Cain's offering. He was happy with Abel's offering, and it doesn't say it was because of what they brought. I think it was an attitude issue. Abel, Cain came, and God said, I'm sorry, I don't accept your offering, but if you do it right, you'll be accepted. And he went away in a pout and was jealous about his brother, and so what he did was he, uh, he said to his brother, let's go out in the field, and he murdered his brother terrible, terrible thing. But here we have right at the very start of the the Bible giving. We go to Genesis chapter 14 and we find out that uh, a group of uh, five kings uh, came in and uh, went through Sodom and Gomorrah area and they, they took away Lot and his family. And so Abraham, for his nephew's sake, got his servants, 318 of them, and took them uh, to go and fight these five city-state kings. And he beat them, and he brought his family back. And when he came back, he went to Salem, uh, Jerusalem. This was before it was Jerusalem, it was Salem. And in Salem, there was a, there was a king by the name of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek uh, was a priest of the Most High God. And Abraham came and gave a tithe to him in worship as the, uh, as the, uh, the priest of the Lord. Uh, we, we go on further in this and we find out that God set up a whole system through Moses, gave the, the information to Moses, a whole system of how he should be worshipped through giving of offerings and tithes and free will offerings and all of this kind of thing. And so, so we have this now being codified. We have this being um, mandatory that there are certain uh, Uh, offerings and tithes that needed to be presented to the Lord. The giving would be expressed in that way. And so, as we go through here, we we find that God had ordained giving as a means of uh, worship. We come to the New Testament, and as you know, um, God said, uh, what, what happened was, the old system, the Old Testament system, was now going to be abolished in Christ. Christ fulfilled everything in the Old Testament system. Uh, but Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, now, now look, when you do your giving, okay? When you do your giving, when you do your giving, do it this way and do it that way. So because the Old Testament system was gone, didn't mean that we stopped giving at all. That wasn't the case. Uh, we, we go through the New Testament and we see giving talked about uh, numerous times. Paul is promoting a collection of an offering. He lays out the manners in which it's to be done. See, giving was an integral means of worshiping God. Now, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, the first commandment uh, that stands at the head of all the commandments was this. You shall have no other God before me. No, I, I don't want any, any God competing with me. And so he says, no idols, don't make any idols or that kind of thing. And, and so as he talks about this, um, 
he deals with our worship being exclusively for the Lord God. And that we shouldn't let anything else uh, break into that. And, And here's what I've found. That one of the major idols of our day is money and material things. They drive us. Our confidence, our, our sufficiency is found in our money. Do we have enough money? Okay, we're all right. We, we don't trust in God. We trust in money. And, and we trust in the things we have. And we love those things. And we, we cherish them. And we cling to them. And that kind of, that kind of thing. And, and so one of the things that we find challenges God's command for us uh, to follow him and, and to love him exclusively is money and material goods, which becomes an idol for us. Perhaps that's why in the Bible, there are about 500 verses in, on prayer. There are about 500 verses on faith. But there are over 2,000 verses on money and material goods and how we handle them and what we do with them. So giving, uh, what I say all that to say this, giving may be a struggle for, for some of us. Um, in fact, money and stuff are things that can really present uh, a problem for us in terms of our faith. Uh, because none of us as Christians are immune from uh, this, this kind of thing. So I want to answer, uh, pose a question. Why do we give? Why do we give? And I want to give you several reasons. And the first one is this. Giving is an expression of our devotion and love for God. It's an expression of our devotion and love. I don't know. You see, you see a guy who is head over heels crazy about some gal. You know what? He spent money on her. He, he's so generous with her. Then they get married, and he's not so generous. But <laughs> when you love me like you used to love me, you used to buy me things. Um, but but it's, a, it's a means of expressing our love and devotion. You see, God wants our love. He wants our devotion. He wants our affection. He wants our, our commitment and our allegiance. That's why in, in Matthew t- chapter uh, 6, verses 19 to 22, Jesus said this, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, and, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here it is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's your treasure? Because whatever you really treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. That's what your love will be about. That's what your devotion will be about. And so he wants us to, to think about this. What's your treasure? Oh, it's my stock portfolio. It's my investments. It's my house. It's my car. It's the cottage. It's this. It's that. I love those things. I live for those things. I need to buy those things. And and the point is, we need to watch our hearts. Because it can so easily, we can have our devotion and love for God stolen away. When God wants us to express our love and our devotion in worship through giving. In Mark chapter 19, Jesus uh, is invited to a guy's house for dinner by the name of Simon the leper. And, and he goes uh, there for dinner and um, a woman shows up at the dinner party. And uh, she comes in and she has an alabaster box. Now, if you have an alabaster box, that's a very expensive thing. So you don't, have, you don't have like trinkets in it or little junk. You've got something very significant in there. And she had pure nard, and, and this was, a, this was a, a fragrance, and this was something that would cost over a year's wages. I mean, this is absolutely extravagant. And what she does is she comes and she breaks the alabaster jar, and she pours this ointment on Jesus' head. And the people start freaking out and saying, like, this is, what a waste this is. How can you do this? That, that could have fed a lot of hungry people. We could have done a lot of good with that. And Jesus says, knock it off. She did this out of love for me. Extravagant love. Over a year's salary. to, And it was done. 
She anointed me for my burial. She loved me. Don't you talk about her like that. I won't let you talk about her like that. That was an act of love. Jesus understood a heart of love that worshipped in giving, giving something so extravagant as that. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus also confronts a... um, a man who comes up to him and says, he was a rich young man, and he came to Jesus and he said, um, uh, who do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good, number one? Because you don't know who I am. You don't understand who I am. He says, you know the commandments. Yeah, he says, I've, come back, I've kept all the commandments since I've been a kid. I've been really good with that. She said, okay. So you think, that's what will earn it for you. That's what will do it. So he said to him, what I want you to do is go and sell all you have and give, give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And it says that and Jesus never asked anybody else to do that. But Jesus knows every heart. He knows what the idols are in our heart. And, and so uh, the, the guy was sad and he went away. And, and, and he, he left that discussion and, and Jesus revealed to him that what you really love and what you really want is your money. And he said, uh, you know, uh, he, he made this comment. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it blew his disciples away. They said, like, then who could be saved if this guy who keeps all the commandments. Now, see, it's, it's about a heart issue. It's about love. And, and God calls us to love and to have devotion for him. And, and when you give like that, what, what you do is you demonstrate the love that you have for God. Why do we give? We give because it's an expression of gratitude to God. You imagine... Um, and we've seen something like this, where somebody rescued another person's child. The child was drowning. And, and somebody put themselves in harm's way. They were drowning, or they went into a burning building and saved a kid. And do you know what the parents think? For the rest of their life, I will forever be grateful for what that person did. I would do anything for them. They saved my child. And, and, and I think, when we think about gratitude to God... Um, Giving can be an expression of a a recognition of our gratitude for God, for all he's done, for the way he's poured out blessings. We sang about the cross, how he came to earth and he lived and he died and was crucified so that we could live. In in Psalm 116 in verse 17, uh, the psalmist says this, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. See, I'm going to express my worship in thanks but that thanks will be done through giving, through making an offering uh, to the Lord. In Luke t- chapter 7, uh, Jesus is dining with a religious man, a religious leader at his home. And again, somebody crashed the party. It was a woman. And uh, she came likewise with an alabaster jar. Uh, and she came to this party, and, and what would be typical... When you had a, a, a people over, you'd have a low table, just very low off the ground, and you would lean on your elbow and your feet would be away from the table. This woman comes into the party and uh, she sees Jesus and she stays back at his feet and she begins to weep profusely. Here we go, the tears are streaming down her face. They're falling on the feet of Jesus and she takes her hair and begins to wash his feet with her hair. Can you imagine that scene? You're having a dinner party and some woman is doing this while you're all trying to eat and it's very uncomfortable. And, and, uh, and on top of that, she takes this alabaster jar and pours it on Jesus' feet. And here's the thought of these religious guys. He's obviously no prophet. This is a wicked woman. This is a sinful woman. This is a woman with a reputation. And here he, he, if he were a prophet, he would know what this woman is all about and that he lets her even touch him. That is repulsive to us. And, and um, it's interesting what, um, what Jesus said. 
He said, Simon, uh, I have a question for you. Go ahead, go ahead, Jesus. Um, Two guys owed somebody money. Um, One guy owed him 500 denarii, the other owed him 50 denarii. And neither of them could pay. And so uh, the guy who was holding the debt said, you know what? I'm going to forgive this debt. It's wiped out. He said, which one do you think would love him more? And Simon said, well, I guess the one who was forgiven more. Bingo. Exactly. And then he said to him, he said to him this in in this awkward moment. He said, "Um, when I came in, You didn't give me water to wash my feet. This woman hasn't stopped washing my feet with her tears. Uh, When I came in, you didn't kiss me. A sign of greeting. This woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet. Uh, You didn't give me oil for my head, but she's anointed my feet. Her sins that are many are forgiven. Can you imagine the sense of this woman who, who, who has sinned and sinned greatly and her reputation is, and her renown as a sinner is spread all over the area. And she comes to Jesus and she hears the words of forgiveness. You are forgiven. And she can't control her emotions and herself. And he said, those who have been forgiven much love much. There's a great deal of thankfulness in that. How do you say thanks to God for all he's done for you? How do you express that gratitude? May I suggest to you that one of the appropriate ways to worship God in gratitude is through giving. We see that in scripture. The psalmist says, I'll bring an offering of thanksgiving to you. Well, thirdly, it's an expression of our understanding of stewardship. Stewardship. In Psalm 24, verse 1, it says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God. He created everything. He has creative rights over everything. Everything you see, everything you own, it's his. What you are is his. He owns you. And and we need to understand this principle in life that everything is God's. And what we have from him is what he loans to us to use. It's not ours. And, and, and so what we're called to do by him is to take what he's given to us. Our bodies, our talents, our abilities, our money, our resources, everything we have. We're to take that and to use it in a way that acknowledges it's not ours, it's his. And he has the right to do with us and to say how he wants us to live our life or how he wants us to use what he gives us in in such a way that it brings worship to him. You know your stock portfolio? It's not yours You know your house? It's not yours. How do you use your house? Oh, well, we couldn't have anybody in because, you know, we don't want to ruin the carpet. Yeah, I think Jesus would be good with that. You know, don't show hospitality. Keep it all to yourself. It's an understanding. What, What has been given to me is his, and I manage it for him. See, if if I have money and I go to a, a money manager... Um, it's my money. I give him my money. I say, look, here's what we want to do with the money. Okay, now you go and work the plan. Whose money is it? It's my money. He is, he's working, he's managing it for me. And that's exactly what God does with us. And so when, when we understand stewardship, we understand that it's all his. And what we do is we handle it and manage it in a way that is consistent with what he would want to do with it. That means he's very generous with things, more generous than we are in gives. In, in, in Matthew 25, there's a parable of the talents. And it says, you know, a master gave to three of his servants. One he gave this much, uh, five talents, that was a weight, and one two and one one. And then he said, go, go work it and come back and then I'll see what you've done with it. And we'll, we'll have a, a day of reckoning. God owns it. That should guide us in how we use it and as we worship. Also, it's an expression of trust. It's an expression of trust. When we give, we demonstrate a trust in God to care for us. Um, In in, um, Leviticus 27, 
We've got a couple verses. This is a mandatory thing. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So a tenth of all you produce, all you grow, that's the Lord's cut. Uh, it goes on next verse in 32. Every tithe of the herd in the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. It's the Lord. So there's this principle he has in the Old Testament that, that you, you give to me or set aside a tenth of that for me. And, um, and in doing that, and in fact, I'll tell you, if you look into Numbers and into Deuteronomy 14, for instance, you'll find out there were actually three tithes. And, and one was for a certain purpose, and it only happened once every third year and whatnot. So it actually is about 23% when you look at it. But, but um, the thing is this. We were, we were expected to give. And in that giving, you know, sometimes we, we wonder and we get afraid. But, but what if I don't have enough for me? God said, you know, you live on this and give me a tenth of that. Yeah, but, but, but what if I, you know, and so sometimes in order to give, you have to have confidence in God that he will take care of you if you give. And, and some of us say, well, I, yes, I, I'm not sure that I can trust God with this. And, and that, would, that would be sad. In 2 Corinthians 8, verses 8 to 10, it says, And God is able to bless abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they've freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and, and bread for the... Uh, uh, I lost something there. Sorry. Bread for food. Thank you. And next, uh, we'll also supply and increase your store of seed and we'll enlarge the harvest. See, can I trust God? If I give to God... Will I have enough for myself? He says, you know what? You need, to, you need to not worry about that. God will take care. If you take care of your business, God will take care of you. But if you say, I can't, I can't afford to give God. No, I, I need to have this all for myself. You know what you do? You shut, the, uh, you shut the, the, the blessing of God coming to you. In fact, Malachi, in Malachi 3, it's very interesting. Malachi says, uh, God is speaking through Malachi. He says, will a person rob God? And they say, well, I mean, who robbed God? You robbed God because you didn't bring the tithes and the offering into the storehouse. They had a problem in that day. The, the, uh, the religious functionaries, the, pe- the priests and all that, there wasn't enough for them to live on because the people weren't bringing the money in. And, and, and the only time in the Bible, we're never told to test God. We're told not to test God. Don't test the Lord your God. One time in the Bible, it says to test God. He says, you bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour a blessing down on you. See, you think, oh no, I got to take care of myself. No, you need to trust God to take care of you as you're faithful in giving to him. Um, and so you say, well, I, you know, in the Old Testament it was a tithe. But we don't have to do the Old Testament, right? Yeah, we don't have to. We're not restricted by 10%. Or 23%. We can give more than that. We're not under a legal obligation. We just express, express our joy and our love and our devotion uh, to God through giving. And, and you say, well, oh man, 10, 10%, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Okay, you can do it. Start where you can start if you're not giving. And trust God as you do that. Um, another couple reasons I'll give you quickly. To support the ministry. One of the reasons we give we give to God. You don't, if you give, you don't give to the church. Let me tell you that. Don't tell me, I gave to the church. You gave to God. And in, in the, what the, uh, uh, the, the priests and, and, and the Levites, they did God's business. So you have one tribe out of 12 that is to take care of all of this, um, things for the ministry. And of that tribe, there's a family uh, Aaron's family, which are the priestly uh, group. And, and so in, in Numbers, it, it says, uh, in Numbers uh, 26, it says that when you bring the money uh, and your tithes, rather, because they, they didn't trade so much in money, but you, you brought the tithes in, uh, what you did was you supported those who were serving God. 
And the Levites would give a tithe of that to the priests, the ones who specifically worked in the uh, tabernacle and the temple. So how did God support ministry? It was through the giving of people. So he blessed the people. The people brought in and it, and it took care of, of everyone. In fact, in Philippians 4, 14 to 16... Uh, Paul says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. He was a missionary. He was out. Sometimes he, he made his, uh, his own money as a tent maker, but he also relied on people to support him financially. And moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, uh, no one in the church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once. When I was in need, you sent um, to support the ministry. Uh, and so they would have collections and support. He, you, you know, some of you are going to love this. First Timothy. Um, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of dub- double honor. He's talking about money here, I think. Um, most commentators think that. Um, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, <laughs> you like this. Don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. He's talking about church leadership. And he's saying, you know, it's okay to take care of those who give themselves to ministry. So when you give to God, you also give to take care of the, of, of the ministry. And you also, secondarily, you meet the needs of others. So what happened was in Acts 2.44 in the early church, they had some real economic uh, issues. People had been hanging around in Jerusalem and, and they're running out of money and there was deprivation. And so in Acts uh, 2.42, uh, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common and they began to give to each other as there were needs. As you go into Acts chapter 4, you find out that Barnabas saw the need. He sold a piece of property that he could liquidate, took the money, gave it to the apostles. The apostles helped other people. So the other thing God gives us that to do is to help other people in need. Uh, in fact, in Philippians four eighteen and 19, uh, he says, I've received full payment. This is what Paul says to the church there. More than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. When he goes on to say, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He was in jail. They sent money to keep him afloat so so that that he could live. Uh, Because they didn't, do you know what? They didn't provide meals and all these services. There was no TV. uh, And they sent money to help him. And it was an acceptable sacrifice. It was pleasing to God. It It was an offering, when you care for others, it, it, Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. It's an act of worship to God. So let me, uh, let me quickly um, try and, and pull a few principles here for you. The first principle in, in giving is that it's enabled by grace. See, you know, what, you know what's in... I, well, I can only tell you what's in me, and I'm not going to tell you all of what's in me because it's not pretty. But I tell you, what's, what's in me in humanity is this, this thing of selfishness. I put myself first. I think of myself first. If I, th- if I think of what will happen, I think of what's, what's going to happen to me. And, and it's, it's all about me. And, and there, we, we're, as humans, we're, we're prone to be that way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, Isaiah says. And so here, here we are, kind of self-centered, self-seeking, all the rest of that. And, and if anything is going to change in us, it's going to be because of God's grace working in us. Because that's not native to me. That's not how I normally react. God, by the Holy Spirit, has to do something in me. And, and so in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, it says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He's telling, he's telling um, the Corinthians, we're taking up this offering to help the, the church in Jerusalem. But I want to tell you about the Macedonians. He's given them a good model. Uh, in the very midst of a severe trial, 
their overflowing joy and their extreme of poverty welled up in rich generosity for a testify that they gave as much as they're able and even more entirely on their own. Um, go to the next one, please. So we urge Titus, just as he'd earlier made a beginning, to bring also a completion, this act of grace. What is it? God freed them up by his grace to do that. But since you excel in everything, now watch this, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, complete earnestness, in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So if God is going to make us more generous, it's going to be of his grace. It's what he does in us, because I'll tell you what, that's contrary to our human nature. Um, Secondly, it's generous. I just read that. It's generous. I'm not going to reread it again. Severe trial, overflowing with joy in extreme poverty, and they were generous. That's not natural. That's not normal. That's not what we do. It's generous. Uh, I'm going to push on. It's voluntary. No one had to extract money from them. You know what? In our, in, in our church, I don't want you ever ever to feel under compulsion to give. Um, it, it's got to be voluntary. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 8, verses 3 and 4. Entirely on their own. Listen, I, I don't know whether I, in, in, in over 30 years of ministry I've ever had this happen. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I don't know whether I've had people urgently Plead with me, please take our money. Maybe they know I'd be too willing to. Um, but, but it was on their own. Uh, go ahead, please, to, to 2 Corinthians 9. So I thought it necessary to urge you, visit, brothers, and visit you in advance of the finish of the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. They made a promise. He wants to see that they... Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not one grudgingly given. And if God has to do this, to get money from you. Don't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't want it. He wants you to, to, to give voluntarily. And as I said, I, I will never beg you to give. God has got to move in your heart to give. Now, I was to a church once. They did a 25-minute offering. And they had people standing in the front call him and he said it's not enough come on more come on more and and i'm going like oh man this is uncomfortable uh, talk about under compulsion uh like <laughs> ouch um so it, it's got to be joyfully and voluntarily given and then i want you to notice that it's also a priority it's a priority giving is a priority giving to god excuse me worship in giving to god is a priority in, in Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You know what the first fruits is? That's the first part of the crop that you take off. That's the best and, and the first. And God says, give me the best and the first. You know what, you know what I think a lot of our mentality is this? Um, hey, uh, I've done all the things I want to do, I've paid my bills. If there's anything left, I'm going to give something to God. And if there's nothing left, sorry. That doesn't talk about the kind of priority. Honor the Lord with the first, the best. You know, if something else has to, if you have to go without uh, a steak that week because you honored God, you know, put God first. That's what he's saying. And it's sacrificial. You heard what he said. They sacrificed out of poverty. Um, and I'm not going to go through all these verses because we've read them. And, and, and lastly, it reflects one's total commitment to God. See, what you do with your money says what is a reflection on your overall commitment to God, what God wants. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5, it says this, And they exceeded our expectations... Here's what they did. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us also. See what? They gave themselves to God. If you give yourself to God, the money is not going to be an issue for you. See, but if you don't give yourself to God, 
then, then it, skews your, it skews all of your priorities. But their thing was this. I'm giving myself to God first. Romans 12.1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Give everything you have to him, because that's what he wants. He wants all of you. He doesn't want your money as a substitute. You can't buy him off. You can't pay him off. You can't, well, maybe he'll be happy if I, I went, I went to church on the long weekend and I put money in the offering plate. That'll keep him off my back. That's not what he wants. He wants your heart. You know, I, I, I gotta confess that, you know, I probably once or twice or 50 times in my married life of almost 42 years, I would have done something like this. Gerda would be saying, you know, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? Would, you know, finally she wears me down, and I do it. Um, and I, and I, I serve. And, and, and then I say, well, I hope you're happy with that. It's done now. Do you know, I think with God, sometimes we do that. Oh, you want money. Ooh, you want money. You, okay, there, take it. You happy now? That's not the attitude. It's I give myself and I am so enraptured in God and who he is and what he's done. And I don't grudgingly give and I, I give it freely and it reflects that I'm given myself. You know, I, I heard the story of a little boy in Africa and he, uh, uh, everybody was bringing what, what they could bring. They didn't have money, but they brought produce and they brought chickens and, and they would put them in a basket at the church, as given to the Lord. And this little boy thought, I don't have anything I can give. So he walked up to the front, and he got into the basket and sat in the basket. He had the idea. What God wants is me. He wants my heart. And uh, we live, and we give to express our love and our gratitude and our own, his ownership of everything and, and our trust in his provision and, and the support for ministry and the support for the needs of others. And we're called to worship him generously. And we start with our church. We start with our church, the place where we gather, where we worship, where we learn and serve and encourage, where, where we support each other and, and reach out to our community and seek to help our community and, cha- and challenge our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ and where we send missionaries out and support them in sharing the good news around the world. But beyond giving to our church, we also help a senior, take, take a senior to a, uh, a medical appointment. We make a meal for someone who's sick. We buy a book to encourage someone. We help somebody with a financial gift that's going through a tough time. We send a child to camp. We give in many, many ways. And God wants our heart to give to him. I'm going to ask Keisha and the uh, musicians to to come up at this time. I've asked her to sing a song uh, for us. Um, In your bulletin, uh, there's a little insert like this. It had a little tear-off in the Bible uh, at the bottom. And see, when I, when I preach the Word of God, I expect the Spirit of God to speak to your heart through it. And when we come to church week after week, we come to bring our lives into conformity with what God wants for us. And so I, 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 started, I started giving to God as a kid. My dad had slave labor. About 13, I was working in our store, 14, and I would get a modest little amount of money. But I was taught early in life to give to the Lord. And what I was taught was to give a tithe, which was a tenth. That's, that's what my parents had said to me. And so every time I made some money, I would give it. Uh, I, would, I would take a tenth of that and put it in an envelope and give it to God. as So it, it's been a habit for me all these years. It was, it's not something that I even have to think about. Would I do it or wouldn't I do it? It's, it's, it's how I live my life and wanting to honor God. And, and, and I found that sometimes you can, you can give more and you find, you know, it didn't hurt so much. And you can expand what you're doing. So I, I know I'm speaking to some people who are very faithful givers and, and 
that's great. God bless you. And, and I'm also probably speaking to some people who um, you're, you're very new in the faith. You're not sure how this goes. You think of going to church like, like going to the movies or something like that. You know, you, you pay your admission. And, and so maybe you've learned some things. And, and maybe you say, well, I, yeah, I need to step up and think about giving and all of what it reflects and how I do it. And, and maybe some of you are just kind of gripped by money and things. And you have trouble giving to God freely. I just pray that the Spirit of God would speak to each one of us in whatever way he needs to do, where we're at, so that we can be what, uh, what he wants us to be. And so as Keisha sings this song, I want you to think about what God would want you to do. There's a little tear-off in the bottom of this. There are three ways that we give here at church. We give online, um, through Tithely. Uh, we have uh, an automatic bank withdrawal, and we give in person. I, I have a my envelope, um, and you, some of you may give that way. And Chris is going to be out in the back, and I think Evangeline, and they'll help you. Or you can fill this in and put it in the offering plate. After Keisha sings, we're going to have another song, and um, I want you to think about this while she's singing. You may want to fill it out, and, uh, and then we're going to do the, you see, you thought I forgot the offering. I tell you, in about 34 years of ministry, I might have forgotten it once. And uh, even as I get older, I still remember that. Um, So what we'll do after Keisha sings, I'm going to call the ushers, and they'll receive our offering. Now listen, guys, I know that that some of you say, well, I I find it embarrassing because I, I don't have anything to put in because it comes out automatically. I understand that. Nobody... Nobody will think anything of of you for that. But I want you to think about what you do as it's a gift to God. It's my love offering to him. And, And I express that. Keisha. She had stumbled through the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain, some spoke in anger, heard folks whisper, there's no place here for her kind. Still on she came through the Until at last she knelt before his feet Although she spoke no words Everything she felt was her As she poured her love for the master From her box of alabaster I've come to pour my friends on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hand. You weren't there.
to worship the Lord now in giving, and we'll call the musicians to come. 